All right. You ready, Buzzard? You got the hit. You hit the record button. Sir. Yeah, the green light is on. Wait, it's green. It's not red. I'm sorry. The red line is on. That's a light. <sighs> yeah. You have the green light because the red light is on. That's what I was trying to oh, say. Fuck, man. I'm, now I'm so confused. Yeah, so oh, confused. Hold on. This traffic light does not work. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. The new North Texas SC away jersey is now available at Soccer90 as the exclusive merchandise partner for NTSC. Soccer90 is the only place you can get North Texas SC gear. You can shop Soccer90.com to get your gear. Use the code Third Degree, get 20% off. Some exclusions apply, but that does not include the North Texas jersey or the FC Dallas jerseys with the new sponsors from last year, the home jerseys. Both those things are discounts should work. Check it out. Third Degree is a code, Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode uh, number, oh, look, we are now officially into the 200s of 201, episode 201 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, me, Peter, tagging along with, first off, Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Hello. Hello. Tally-ho to you, sir. And your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, Casita owner, <laughs> Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hey, Peter, for a second, I thought you were going, caveman, me, Peter, you, Dan. <laughs> I could do that, too. No, yeah. no, it's not. We could do that. Uh, <laughs> boys, congratulations. Uh, the, the season is off the snide. FC Dallas has won a game uh, last week, last Saturday, I guess it was, on a beautiful evening, followed up by the first drone show of the season. Uh, Dallas wins its game 3-1 to one over the L.A. Galaxy. Good stuff. Yes, it is good stuff. Um, the team came out a little flat at the beginning of the game and allowed L.A. to get the upper hand. Um, but uh, on the upside, this is a coach that's this year's buzzwords are, not to, not to make a joke, excuse me, um, mentality. So they showed some good mentality and came back and, and got the game. And what is what in the end was an overall very comprehensive victory that I think pretty much everyone's going to be happy with. And it's actually difficult to find somebody that had a bad game, to be fair, uh, for FC Dallas, because everybody played really well. But, uh, Dan, if uh, when Buzz uses uh, his name in a saying, is that like talking in third person? Uh, I think we can class it as that, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's very hoity-toity of you, Buzz, to talk in mm. that. But. You know me, I'm so hoity-toity. <laughs> <laughs> bouge. I've, I've recently learned, Peter, that it's bouge. That's what we say now. Oh, bouge. Yeah, it's okay. bouge. It's not bougie? No, it's just bouge. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. I'm not really sure. You, you, check it with the kids. They'll let you know if bouge is good or bad. I yeah. think it's kind of bad, actually. Okay. So, uh, wait, bouge like bougie or? Yeah, uh, presumably bourgeoisie is where it would come from, I would imagine. Yeah, we've, something so, so much time has passed by now, Dan. So many years of uh, eclipse that the shortening of bourgeoisie, bourgeoisie you know, to bougie <laughs> is no longer good enough. Now you got to no. just say bouge. Yeah, so bouge. And I first heard it when I was hanging out with my 
uh, brother-in-law, my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, and their kids over Christmas, and they were talking about somebody being so bougie that they ran into at the mall, and I thought, oh no, here we go. And now, now I've I've heard it. Buzz is on his system. phone googling yeah. bougie, trying yeah. to figure out. <laughs> well, no, it's pretty obvious what it means, but <laughs> I've yeah. since heard it several times, and so that, it's my phrase of the season so far. Is when something's bougie. Oh, <laughs> Dan. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> You got yelling at clouds Dan already going less than a minute into the pod. Yeah, Dan is not bougie either. No, he's not. No. Uh, hey, one of the things I was uh, I, I was really kind of... We'll talk about the game here in a little bit. But one of the things I wanted to... Well, do you want to talk about the game first? Or can, I, can I bring up the my fascination with the attendance? Uh, we can start with the attendance, yeah. Well, because here's the thing. Um, for the first time ever that I can recall in this club's history... They have now opened a season with back-to-back sellouts, and and I think that's in, uh, that is notable for a whole lot of reasons. And one of the things that I also began to do is to go back and dig into the numbers in terms because at some point last year we we're like, man, they've had a lot of sellouts this year, and trying to calculate like how many sellouts last year versus how many times that stadium has had sellouts. And I think to the best of my ability to count the numbers, because it gets really wonky, because remember, Toyota Stadium slash Pizza Hut Park has had different max attendances uh, capacities over the mm-hmm. years. Of course. Um, it's hard to generate. It's hard to really solidify what has been considered a sellout. But if I'm just kind of counting based on my best understanding of it, they had eight sellouts last season alone. Well, in the entirety of that entire facility's existence prior to last season, they had only had nine sellouts combined. And so to now go into this season after eight sellouts last season and to start off with two sellouts this season, that's a real turnaround for this club that I don't think is getting talked about enough, especially in the light of the fact that it's historically stereotyped as a half-full stadium for a lot of really good reasons, right? Because yeah. that's what it was for most of it. Historically, but, yes. Yeah. yeah, historically. But, I, I, you know, look, things have changed, and there's something going on there, and I just wanted to uh, make take note and mention of that. Yeah, I actually asked Nico Seves about that this week. You know, if, if they as the staff or the players sort of recognized what was happening around this team, and, and he got really animated, actually, because they as a group, um, the players, basically is what he's saying, they feel like it's because of um, the team and the club and the things they're doing of late. You know, like in the past, you might have said, oh, it's the Galaxy. It's because Beckham came in. But, the, you know, that's not true anymore. Chicharito's not there anymore or it wasn't there for this game. You know, they don't have quite the luster that they used to. They're not the sexy L.A. team anymore, I would say, compared to LAFC. So the players, uh, coach says, really feel like the combination of, of course, obviously the new spend and the new marketing and the new stuff the club is doing, but also the things that the players are doing on the field, playing a relatively entertaining product, uh, being involved in the community. And he said that they are really, really excited about what's happening here and feel like they're part of something that's really starting to dig in and take off in the community, you know, and, and they really can feed off of the crowd, even if the crowd is not crazy, a hundred percent, all supporter culture, even if it is a Frisco crowd, it's still a massive, massive difference to be in front of a sold out audience. And they feed big time off of that vibe of that audience and off of the vibe of the increased noise that the supporter sections are making uh, on the South end zone. So 
Um, don't ever think that it doesn't affect the players because it does. And and they, they all, according to coach, they're all buying into what's happening here and excited about what's happening here. It's fun. Yeah, I think if I'm doing my math correct, I was surprised to go back and find out that uh, Dallas had actually had opening day sellouts at this stadium before, but it appears back in 2011 and 2012 uh, their first games of the season were both sellouts. But until last season, I don't think they had ever had back-to-back sellout home games, uh, which they did last season. And, of course, as I said, this is the first time I can I can recall and pull up in the numbers that back-to-back for games one and two, that's really impressive. Yeah, and, yeah. in season, you know, if you had a 4th of July and maybe somebody famous coming in nearby 4th of July, that really would have been the only time you've gotten it before this. So... It's pretty exciting, and obviously we'll see how it goes this season. But you know, we talked about we started talking about this in the middle of last season when it became very noticeable. The whole organization had changed post Peppy Money, post new VP of Marketing, post uh, embracing of this idea from the Hunts that on some level they needed to spend some more money, and the budgets had gone up. And we started to see an impact, and uh, it's only carried forward till now. I mean, I, I'm I'm now going into the next bunch of games assuming we're going to see uh close to um every game sold out i mean if you had eight sold outs last year and you only have what 17 home games that's that's almost half mm-hmm. so it's like there's a legit shot you might get to like an 80 percent sellout rate i mean maybe august we'll get some dog days but man that it's an exciting time to be an sc dallas fan uh, across the whole organization and knock on wood i hope we're right that it, we're going to see this continued uptick and attendance it means i'm gonna have to start buying a second ticket to all these games yeah well i mean uh to to something you mentioned earlier uh the galaxy are the team that uh, dallas has hosted the most times in games that were either sellouts or over twenty thousand people and that's part of what makes this math complicated is because uh initially people forget toyota's or pizza hut park was the initial maximum attendance was 22.5 and so there were games in there where they got 20 or 21,000, but those weren't officially sellouts. It wasn't until after the Hall of Fame reconstruction that it was dropped down to 19,096. So uh, there, there are, there are, while there may only be eight previous sellouts or nine previous sellouts, there are more games than that that were close to maximum capacity, but just didn't ping the numbers. So, um, interesting stuff and uh, again kudos to the club for for pulling that off and it does make you wonder if you can get these first two games to sell out what's going to happen as we get into you know the season and assuming the team's playing well um yeah yeah it, 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 traditionally these first games sometimes don't do very well because everyone's still in school the weather can be quite cold yeah. you know the, the hype of the season's not really building yet because you're not really winning yet i mean dallas is you know, not coming off, they're coming off of an improved season, but not like they were in the first in the West or anything. So you can't point at that kind of momentum. It really just, to me, it just feels like there's some momentum with this organization. Uh, the, the, a lot of things are doing, being done a lot better and they're seeing it pay off across the board. And it's exciting. So Dan, all the better when you got a full house and you play like that uh, against the galaxy in front of a full crowd as they did Saturday night. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It would kind of suck to, uh, fill the stadium and be crap like last week <laughs> yeah you know that's just part of the course <laughs> what was your favorite part of the game uh in the wind dan uh well the, the 
I had a nice keep yourself on your toes moment 20 seconds in when Martinez nearly gifts a goal. Um, <laughs> honestly, the uh, the front the front three pressing, uh, I thought that was that was great to see just uh, how effective they were in 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 winning back the ball immediately. Kind of in that uh, before Tiki Taka soccer got a bad rap when it was uh, you know. Two guys immediately press the ball when losing it, gain it back within ten seconds. It was kind of reminiscent of that. It's uh, it was interesting because there was a a, a a kind of a vibe and a fire and a spirit to the team that was missing in the opening game, Buzz. And 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 I we do have to throw in here. This was LA's first game of the season. Remember the game the week prior had been had been postponed, uh, so they were coming into this uh, dry. And I don't know how much we want to throw in there maybe affected them or not. But Dallas clearly, Nico clearly got some message across because something was different between this week and last week. Yeah, so clearly the first week the ball was moving too slowly. It was not moving across the back line. It was not building forward with any kind of uh, pace or momentum. And, and in training, that was the key buzzword last week. You know, I did it again. Sorry, that was the key uh, phrase. Person. <laughs> yeah, the, the coach used last week was that mentality, that that energy, that ball movement, that sharpness, and that's what they worked on in training. And it was pretty clear that it, um, it that that training focus on that mentality of that that ball quick ball movement was effective. Now they also changed two players in the triangle, but it wasn't just the build out. It was also Dal- this FC Dallas team is at its best when it. Uh, I'm not going to call it a counterattack team because they don't sit in a low block and play over the top. They want to play. They want to be in the middle of the field, but they transition quickly. It's almost like um, a, a basketball team that, that transition quickly. People that are big basketball fans, when you turn it over and you go the other way with, a, with some urgency, Dallas is the same thing. Once they get it off you, they're not going to lollygag the ball around midfield. They're going to turn and go within a couple of passes and try and get in and get an opportunity. So that all stepped up. That all came back. It, it was, you could see it remarkably uh, well, as Dan mentioned in the front. You know, they don't press 99% of the time. They, they press on occasion. They'll wait for you to sort of make a mistake, and then they'll pounce on you quick and press and turn you over and go. You know, and all that, all that energy, all that up-tempo-ness was on display in this game. And, and Dallas is good when they do that. If they don't do that, they're they're bad, and that was what we saw in the first game. They were flat, and they were unenergetic. They were uninspired in terms of their you know possession and movement and and, and putting down the throttle. In this game, they had all that, and that's why I say like, oh, look, it's early, but that's a comprehensive uh, win playing the way they want to play. That's what they that's what it's supposed to look like. That's how it's supposed to be done by this current group, uh, and so it's it's nice to see them on track with the way they ended last year rather than the first game when it looked like they'd forgotten what they used to do. Dan, any other insights you want to throw in there about that? No, that was, that was pretty, pretty sweet. All right. So uh, one of the things I was thinking about as I was watching the game, Buzz, is it was a, it was a little frightening at the beginning because the team was creating chances and not finishing. And there was that, yeah. that opportunity in a 26 minute where they had like, they was there like three of them in the box, and they had every opportunity on a on an even man or odd man uh, breakaway, and they just couldn't even get a shot off. I think LA had turned the ball over or something, and and they got it. 
And there was two or three of them in the box, and they just couldn't even get a shot off. And and that was one of those things last season that we worried about was this team's ability to overcome and um and, and or or take opportunities when the other team gives it to them. And they so between that and the other opportunities they had created for themselves and they hadn't scored. So when LA goes on to score uh, and take mm. the one zero lead, it did have. I mean, everything worked out, right? It all yeah. worked out. The yeah. team won. They scored some goals, blah, blah, blah. But there was a period of time for the first 30 minutes or so where they're like, ah, oh, man, this is not fun. Yeah, this is one of the things that I put in my negatives on the, the breakdown. When this team isn't creating opportunities, it's a problem. Now, uh, I wasn't as worried because, as you say, in the first 30 minutes, there were three or four times where you felt like Jesus hit a post. He pushed one just wide. Well, the chances are coming. You don't, you don't like the the on a net percentage. And again, in the first week, that was a problem. Now, still, this remains a problem overall, though, because in this game, they also had 11 shots on target, just like the first game. So the chance opportunity is still a little low for the home team. For the, if you're the home team, particularly this home team, you want to see 15, 16. You know, they're not a team that is massive volume, but you want to see more than 11. The improvement, the thing to be excited about was they got four of the shots on goal this time. So that's cl- not quite 50% that we say that they need, but that's much closer, you know. So there's a there's a there's a positivity trend to what is a thing that we're definitely still concerned about, which is a the volume of chance, chances and b the cleanliness of the finishing of those chances. So it definitely is still not perfect, but when you combine you know the overall quality of everything else, you know, it's not it's hard to be too upset about that one particular element for me this early, you know, but here's the thing. And this is always my takeaway after a game like this is because Dallas clearly is good. And again, I think you're right, buzz. I it's not, uh, it's not sitting back and counterattacking. It's right. It's like pressing, winning the ball and getting it goal. And in fact, I think if you go watch all three goals, they're they are uh, they're all built or, or constructed out of Dallas winning the ball close to midfield and kind of transitioning very quickly. Yep. And uh, and so my question continues to be the one that I asked last week or last season, which is why would anybody not come at the very least, whether it's at home or away, why would you not play Dallas as a mid to low block team? <laughs> why would you dare do what LA did Saturday night? Yeah, the the Dallas bread and butter, as you say, is this mid block, and they they wait for you to come to them because they want space behind you. And then when you get to them, then they press, as Dan mentioned, which was really good, and they make you work hard to force them back down into their own end. Now, the two things that Dallas struggles against, and you're right, why would anyone not play a low block against Dallas because they stink at breaking it down? The other thing they're not so great at is what LA tried to do, which is high press. Um, there, there are some teams even that do both that do a high press. And then once you crack it, they drop hard back into a low block and that's a double killer for Dallas. So you saw this week that while the ball movement was quicker, uh, than it was in the second game, both the first game and the second game teams still tried to press them and make it difficult for them to pass out of the back. That's happened both games now as a, as a component of what they do. Now, LA does not also include the low block part. So, because LA wants to come out in midfield and play, they think they have a really good midfield. Uh, and Puig is a pretty good player, to be fair. You know, when Dallas does turn them over, uh, they have that room to make that quick break that they want to do. Uh, and that's where they're, again, at their best. So yeah, um, it, it's surprising that Mo- I think there's a, there's a certain caliber of team 
maybe it's a certain price tag of a team that thinks we're going to play the way we want to play. You know, we want to we want to try and dictate the game. And in fact, the, in, in Nico's press conference today, he talked about that with Vancouver, not to get ahead of ourselves, because he said when when we play Vancouver, if we're able to play the way we want to play, we do really well. And if we let them dictate the game, we do really poorly. So you can see why, just as an analogy, why some teams are like, I don't care that Dallas stinks at a low block. We, we're not very good at low blocking. We're good when we have the ball in midfield and try and do some things. So we're going to try and do that. You know, it's, it's just not as simple, I think, sometimes as we think it would be to just say, oh, we'll just low block them. It just means that when Dallas does run into a team that actually does low block, Minnesota is a good example of that. Uh, they have they can have problems. Mm. Well, I you said that Jesus was your man of the match, and I, I largely agree with that. But I also I thought Paxton had another stunningly good game uh, Saturday night. And by the way, I also want to uh, tell Paxton how much I appreciate he's gone back to babyface Paxton. <laughs> um, I just I like that. I I prefer my Paxton Palmy called uh, a babyface, not not with the mustache. <laughs> that's just my that's how I feel about it. Yeah, as I mentioned with Jesus, it wasn't the two goals, which is certainly part of it. It was the fact that he played a, a higher line up front where he's supposed to be. Now, he wasn't high nine, but he also wasn't in between the center backs. You know what I mean? He was where mm-hmm. he was supposed to be, and he didn't come back looking for the ball. And he didn't, the first week, he did a lot of gesturing and, and, and what we called, you know, the young Jesus of several years ago where he could mad his teammates and make it clear. His body language got way better in this game too, and it looked more like Jesus of last season. Uh, so that's why he was my man of the match. You're right. Paxson was excellent. Again, coach said they specifically put Paxson on the side that Puige was on to try and negate that. And that Paxson was the biggest additional factor into how they were able to shut that guy down beyond just their normal defensive uh, shape. So credit to Paxson who also, yes, had an excellent game, but honestly you could go through almost the whole team and be like, everybody had really good games. You know, in the end it was Jesus for me because of the, positioning change from get week one and the mentality change from week one yeah i hope everybody picked up on the fact for the i think it's the third goal paxton steals the ball off puig or pooge or however Puig-er, it's pronounced Puig-er. 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 yeah uh it's uh, <laughs> uh he you know paxton our paxton Pomacall, dallas kid steals the ball off of barcelona uh, academy product and turns that into a really beautiful finish. You know, the one, two, he gets the ball back and then plays it. Man, that pass to Jesus in the box is so damn sexy, but I love more the fact that he actually stole it off that kid's foot. Uh, I just thought that was great. And I hope everybody picked up on that. I hope so too, because Paxton had a tremendous game and their best player was taken out of the game by him. So yeah. again, Paxton two a game. Listen, Dial this back to our conversation last week, though, right? People see Paxton play this way, and they go, oh, make him a six. No, 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 no. Yes. This is two-way Paxton. That play right there is a two-way eight. Gets the ball off a guy, plays the pass into the box, right? That's the box-to-box player, two-way player. That's what you want. That's why he's an eight. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Thank no, you. I, you know, sometimes we talk about stuff because it's fun to talk about, Peter, not because we think it's going to be the answer. Well, no, yeah. you're right. You're yeah. right. You're, no, you're right, but that is the, that is the uh, definitive example of what differentiates him yep. between being a, an eight and a six, and exactly. that's why you don't want him to be a six. So exactly. thank you for saying yep. that. Uh, all right, did Buzz did Edwin Cerillo have a good game? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. You want me to expand on that? I was I was starting to count up the number of turnovers he was committing in midfield, Buzz, and I was getting a little concerned there for a while. Yeah. Well, you have to remember that. 
every everything we talk about always has context, right? So Edwin Cerillo is not Busquets, <laughs> right? Well, of Edwin Cerillo is a 21 year old kid. So <laughs> and I'm not Howard Stern. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's the thing is right the in the context of FC Dallas and this game, Nikosi and Edwin came in. And the triangle got better because those two guys cover more ground. There was more familiarity there. There was more cohesion. And that thing that in game one was causing me to have heart palpitations. In this game, I was confident and solid with. Yes, he made some turnovers that you don't like. But on the other side of the coin, it's because he was being really aggressive trying to be a progressive passer, which is the part of his game we want him to progress in. He was four for seven on long passes, which is a pretty good rate on a long pass, right? And that's a higher number than he usually attempts. He had five progressive passes into the final third or whatever, which was third best on the team. So, and he had 22 carries. So while you're not going to look at him and go, oh, he's Jao Powell with Seattle. No, he's not even uh, um, uh, some of the great uh, Carlos Grezzo type passers that we've had here in the past from that position. But from where Edwin was to where we want him to be, this is a positive performance and it's a positive direction that clearly he's trying to do more than what he did last season. So I'm not going to tell you that like in a vacuum, it's a look at his pure numbers and go, oh, that's a good game. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in the context of game one to game two and in context of his last year and how we want him to be better, this was a good game. You might want to throw in that beautiful ball over the top for the first goal oh that yeah that too specifically yes yeah yeah oh, all right very good so Edwin- th- that specific pass by the way is a pass that they've been working on in training that ball from a midfielder that drops right over the back line between the center back and the outside back that's it's the it's the martinez Farfan gap on the fc dallas side but against the opposition it's right there that over the shoulder making the center back pull out towards you or making the outside back come in towards you. That's a ball that they've been working on for a couple of weeks. So it, it's a specific payoff of a thing they've been working. Uh, did Ariola foul that guy when they collect, when he got the ball, won the ball to cross it back to Velasco? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some, definitely some body contact, you know, whether you it's a foul or not, it's probably depending on what, which team you like. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tight call, probably shoulder to shoulder. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So at, at this point, after two games, uh, of, of sampling their work, Surio greater than, uh, Facundo. Uh, I think, I think that's going to depend, um, uh, I was going to talk about this in the training report, but Facundo has a knock. Like, so he was held out of training this week for mm. a day or maybe more. I only saw the one day. He's not injured. It's just, it's early season maintenance on a guy who's not young, mm-hmm. essentially. So it's possible coming out of game one that he got a little, I think it's a little hip issue or something, or maybe he got a child horse on his leg, something like that. So he was subbed out of that first game and maybe he couldn't do as much when he came into this game. I think those guys are so close, and this is you can, this is also true of the three center backs. I think those positions are going to alternate all the time this season based on tactical matchups, unless somebody gets in really hot form. You know, I, I would always tell you that I want Edwin first because of his age question. Right. You right. know, so I, I'm always going to vote Edwin, but I don't I don't think that I could say definitively that oh Edwin's now got this locked down by any means. Uh, there's Facundo is still a solid player, and Edwin's not far enough past him to make that the case. Hmm. Okay. Focusing, continue on the on the attacking side of the field. 
after two games, where is your temperature on Velasco and Legette? Because my sense is both of those guys, maybe less so this week than last week, are still a little bit too quiet for my liking. Uh, I want to hear what Dan says about Velasco, but I think that Legette, I thought the same thing when I watched the game. He was quiet, but then I went and actually looked at his stats, and he wasn't. He was phenomenal. He was 91% passing, which led the team. He had four shot-creating actions, led the team. Eight progressive passes, led the team. He was three for three on dribbles, led the team. Okay. Four passes into the box, which led the team. He had four progressive carries, which was second. And uh, all of his progressive carries were into the final third, which was first on the team. So he was actually spectacularly good. You just didn't notice it for some reason. And I'm the same way. I think maybe it's because he maybe had a flat first half. And then second half woke up, or maybe we have really high standards or something. But you know, pure numbers wise, he was actually really, really good. And then uh, I want to hear Dan on Velasco. Um, the only thing that bugged me about Velasco's game was he got a little bit not greedy. He, he was trying to do a little bit too much with the ball at times. Um, there was. A shot he could have laid. Uh, there was that time he he ran through on the on a ball over the top on down the left. It was called offside eventually, but uh, he tries to take the low percentage shot instead of just squaring it to uh, Ariola. There was one. There was something similar that happened in the box with Jesus. I recall. Um, and he was somewhat uh, liable in the LA goal too, because he didn't track that guy. He kind of just gave up on him as he went as he got to the box. I didn't remember that that part mm. too well, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, considering I only watched the game like two hours ago, I should probably remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I thought he was fine. Um, Legit, I, I, you know, I know Buzz uh, Buzz has mentioned he kind of disappeared in part. I think maybe that was what he. I can't remember, if it, but um, I I thought he was pretty visible. He was in a more more of a recessive role, uh, letting Paxton do more. I thought, which maybe made him less visible, uh, yeah. especially because the way the the midfield uh, the midfield three played was a lot more of a kind of flatter than we see it with with Edwin kind of getting to be aggressive in going forward beyond. Paxton and, and Lejet, but also, you know, drop him back so that the Jet kind of in turn becomes the stay at home uh cover option. Hmm. All right. Uh I I don't want to be I don't I want to focus on the fact that this was a fun game. The guys won, they scored three goals, that was great. But I want to pick up on a thread from last season, what we talked about a lot, which was because this team is not one that creates a ton of chances. It's all about being efficient when they get them and, and, and finishing their chances. And what I found was a little bit interesting about this particular game, in my notes, I have multiple notes of them not converting the chances. I mentioned the one earlier where I think they where LA turned the ball over and three of them were literally standing in the box and they couldn't even get a shot off. But I've got five or six different mentions here. Excuse me. Um of a three-on-three break. Jesus has a bad shot. Ariola has an open net with Bond out, and he hits it wide left. I think Dan just mentioned the one where Velasco gets into the box and messes up the pass. And, and I think if you have to 
look at the game critically and fairly though that may be the one takeaway from this buzz that i that i hope that that's the thing that they correct is 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 finishing the chances that they are creating because again that was kind of the thing that was missing last year is even creating the chances yeah i i think um a little bit of that i'm hoping is sort of some early seasons you know stuff um there was a there was a bite from I think it was from Paul about uh, the chemistry or maybe Jesus the chemistry and the cohesion on the front three is really good, so I'll, I'll take them at their word at that. I don't I don't see a lot of disconnect in training. That's always a sign I look for, right? If guys are yelling and gesturing in training, mm-hmm. you know that can be a bad sign. But they all seem to be pretty on par and on the same page as far as that goes. You know, just in general terms, under Nico so far, you know, for now a year, a little over a year. We're just seeing that this team, the, the way his team plays, it's not going to be a high volume shot machine. You know, part of that I think is because Jesus being a false nine, he's got a tendency to be willing to pass. He's not a black hole, right? The ball doesn't go in there and he's firing it no matter what. Like, you know, no offense, like Maxi Uruti might have been. Maxi Uruti <laughs> needed 25 shots a game to get one goal. Jesus needs like three shots to get a goal. So, you know, there, there's just not going to be this volume of blasted balls. If you go look at the shot selection, in fact, from this game, I think there were only three shots from outside the box, and one of those was a goal. So, you know, they're doing the right things, and they're, and they're, and they're with this coach, they're willing to hold on to the ball to get a better percentage opportunity which is okay, right? We've talked about that with this team. The 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 good shot, the 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 ratio of shots on net to shots is what we want to see near fifty percent, and we want to see a relatively good finishing of the goal rate. They're not as concerned with a high volume of opportunities, so I think some of that we're just gonna have to get used to. Now, I want more than eleven at home. Eleven's <laughs> a good road number, not a good home number. So, um, yeah, it's definitely long term. I think we want to keep an eye on, of course. Because there were some times last year where the where the percentage fell off, and then we're like, uh oh. But then it would come back at a game or two later, and it was okay. We're fine again. So, you know, first game again, one of eleven on goal. That's not so good. Second game, four of eleven on goal. Oh, we feel better. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, it's always going to be like that with this team, I think. Particularly because you know we're not going to go on the road. And la- think about last year, right? Coach Estevez plays a different way on the road. They go more of a load block even. They really want to grind it out and kill the game to like 60, 65, 70 minutes and then open it up and go. So we'll see how that pays off this year, whether that mentality is the same or whether they try and dictate a little bit more. Because he said they want to dictate to Vancouver. They don't want to let Vancouver play the way that Vancouver wants to play. And they got a Champions League game tonight. We're recording Wednesday night and Vancouver's playing tonight. So maybe we'll see a worn out team or we might see some reserves or some rotation. Be interesting to see, but um, are they? Is there? Uh, is there game at home or on the road? Uh, I did not look that up. I don't remember. They are at home. Oh, there, okay, there you go. Yeah. Hmm. I was hoping maybe they get to play in a place with a random tree behind the goal. <laughs> that would be cool, <laughs> be fun, or a bush, yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. The next time you do a uh, a soccer trip to the UK, check out St Albans City. They have a a tree nestled in the corner of their ground. All right, I will check that out. I like that. I like I like foliage around my soccer pitch. I think that's fun. That's a, a nice <laughs> accoutrement to the game. Uh, all right, so we've talked about the attack. We've talked about the midfield. Dan, since you are our resident center back, um, why don't you talk about Nikosi Tafare's uh, debut for this season? How did you like him? How did you like them Love. apples? Loved it. Uh, I think you kind of wanted to see a little bit more 
pace in the defense, a little more urgency, someone who can not only can attack the ball, but someone who is uh, more than happy to to attack the ball. I uh, let me grab his the stats that were the highlighted because uh, he did have a phenomenal stat line. Uh, yeah, it was just it, it was just kind of. Uh, Ibiaga, obviously. Ibiaga and Martinez together is a bad combination. You uh, you throw in how awful uh, slash injured uh, Tumasi was in that first game, and it was just a you know just a the the perfect storm. Uh, but yeah, led Dallas in clearances, possession gained uh, fifty or fifty nine on on passing. Uh, he won. Uh, six aerial all six aerial drills all six uh on the ground uh absolutely just just fantastic uh, you, you want that dependency that's what matt hedges brought right that you knew hey he's back he's got this uh and then so i guess you the martinez part of it we're all still yeah. a little uh, dodgy and iffy on though i mean is it? Are we gonna next going to see Ibiaga? If he is Martinez, <laughs> what? Well, right. But are we now going to see a, a different duo in the next game? Just to, is he going to try that mm. out, or is this now uh, Martinez and uh, Tafari moving forward? Well, I thought Martinez fell off hard late in that game, uh, in particular. You know, and they had to go to three center backs. By the way, you know, again, another tactical shape that Dallas will be. You know, this is two straight games where we've seen a different tactical shape adapted. Game one, it was a second striker. This time, it was a second, a third center back. You know, to help tighten up those gaps. Uh, and in particular, they were going at the Dallas left again. Martinez and Farfan, strangely, they were uh, Efrain, Efrain Alvarez was giving him fits. Um, so they brought in Ibiaga to try and shore that up a little bit, partially because LA went to two strikers. So they that was part of that adaptation. Um, I was worried about Martinez at the end of that game, and I so I specifically asked coach, and he's mentioned. You know, that he felt probably some of that was a little bit of, you know, just second game fatigue, you know, and part of it was the two strikers. Part of it was lots of factors. But again, I'm not I don't love that player uh, per se. Now, at the same time, um, you know, there, there's a weakness in Nikosi in terms of passing out. The build is not phenomenal. That's something Martinez has a little bit better. And on the goal specifically, Martinez, uh, sorry, um, Nikosi let his striker go ahead of him because that mm-hmm. was into offside's position, which is perfectly fine. But then when Alvarez came down there right and brought him back into position, the guy had drifted between Martinez and him, and they didn't close together fast enough on that guy that was previously had been offside but now wasn't, and the guy was able to score easily. So some of that is what I don't like about how often this coach is rotating bodies in spring is we're not getting a good cohesion with your, whoever's going to be your two main guys. And to follow that up in training on Tuesday, Nikosi and Ibiaga played the whole game, the whole, the whole session as a partnership. Mm-hmm. Now, does that, does that mean I think that those two guys are going to start together? I don't think so. I think that this coach is continuing to try and get all three of those guys used to playing with each other in different combos so that he can use those combos as he would like. So that means that you're going to be slow in terms of if you had just two starters, you'd have those guys get on the same page already. Well, since you have three and you're going to be mixing them up, it's going to take longer. And I think that's a little bit what you're seeing in terms of disconnect sometimes between those guys. Would it be interesting to see Nikosi and Ibi together? Sure, I'd love to see it. I've seen the other two combos now. Wouldn't mind seeing the third one and see what I think. But 
Um, I think those three guys are going to change a lot based on tactics, like who you're playing, what kind of striker it is, what kind of do they press, do they drop off, how much time do I have on the ball, am I need to be physical, do I need to be more mercurial? You know, that there's going to be a lot of tactical shifting in that three band center, those three center backs in terms of how he uses them this year. I hope that uh, Mr. Farfan and his family and friends uh, take it as a compliment that we don't spend a lot of time talking about him, but he's been solidly fantastic for the team since uh, his being acquired, and he was good in this game again. Uh, but uh, in fairness to uh, Emma, who last week we were all kind of crapping on because he didn't have a good game, he was significantly better in this game, Buzz, and I don't know how much yeah. to chalk that up to him just being healthier or uh, you know taking some direction and actually doing some of the things that we kind of feel like the team needs. Yeah, he was much, much better in this game. I'm not saying that he's going to be an all-star. I'm just saying, like, if you play every game this season like that, that will be perfectly acceptable. That'll be fine. Um, I think a lot of it is just physical health. I know he had two knocks in the preseason, and one of them was back-ish related, and that can really limit your mobility, make you very stiff. And like I said last week, I was amazed he started game one because of how stiff he looked. But then this week in training and then going into this game, he looked so much better. And now that's the player that we are used to. Now that we still want Giovanni to press him and, and have either one of those guys progress forward and become an even better player than, than Emma was in this game, absolutely we do. That's the reason why you have two players that are starter capable in a position. But if you just get this out of Ima every game, he'll, that would be perfectly fine. It would be a good season. Because he was much, much better in this game than the previous game. I, I didn't pick up that uh, Geo Vane Jesus uh, subbed in for Farfan, not Emma. Yeah, and they put Emma on the left. Yeah. that, that It did make me wonder if maybe that um, Farfan got a knock of some kind in that game well, because he, he was got beat for pace-wise. Yeah. Behind the, he was getting treated behind the touchline um, there you go. for what looked like cramp. They were just stretching him out. Mm. There you go. So okay. it may have been a case of he was going in for Emma and then, you know, Farfan goes down and may as well just change it up at that point. Yeah, mm. Farfan had an immense workload in the game because, as I said, they were targeting that side. So he was up and down. And because also because um, uh, Alan Velasco plays a false wing, so he plays inside a lot, and that makes Farfan have to work the whole line because Paul doesn't do that on the right. Paul plays more traditional, and so Ema only has to work underneath Paul. He doesn't have to do the whole thing. So Farfan tends to work more. And, and obviously in this game, I think he just ran out of steam. You know, again, it's early. People are still, still getting fit for 90 minutes. You know, so yeah, they moved uh, Tomas over on the left, which tells you something about Giovanni Jesus, Jesus sorry, Dan, that uh, maybe he's not as comfortable over there for some reason, and maybe he'll be a right-side-only kind of guy. It'll be interesting mm -hmm. to watch that. Yeah. Hey, I just want to give a, a big shout-out and a big thumbs-up to uh, Obreon for uh, it taking him only 15 minutes to get a yellow card into the season for him. So kudos <laughs> to Obreon. Yeah, was... you know, he is what he is at this point. You know, they got to <laughs> this is a guy that's he's on the roster. Keep him involved. There's a potential use for him. Don't bag him too much. You know. <laughs> Ain't gonna start this fine. You know. More cowbell. Cowbells. Yeah. Uh yeah. All right. Well, it was overall a really good result. Oh, wait, we probably should talk about Mr. Paz. Uh Buzz after yeah. two games. Do we feel like he's still the goods? Any any concerns oh, yeah. or thoughts there? Well, the only concern is like Germans always have is his feet aren't great. You know, there's been a couple opportunities where they've, where someone's pressed and caught the center back not ready, and they go back to pause right in front of the net, and that's not good. Mm. Um, he's got a couple fluff passes out of the back, but if that's his one weakness, 
because that save was a doozy that he made. You know, yeah, he's everything we thought he was last year. So very good. All right. Uh, you know, first off, did anybody pick up on the somewhat cool little detail? I, and at first it bothered me because I thought, well, that's just stupid. Why would you ruin, why would you go away from the tradition, which is the chimes, the, the, the chime sound they play when they make an announcement on the PA system. I missed did, did you guys they notice did the Mario ones, right? Yeah, they did the uh, 8-bit sound effect uh, of Mario when you, or whatever. I can't remember specifically what the sound was. And it was because it was 80s theme night. And I thought, oh. okay. Yeah. I will I will let that go. And I thought that was a, a, a cool little detail. Sure. I thought it uh, sounded better than the normal one. You don't like the chimes? No, nah, I'd rather I'd just keep that. Uh, I will not tell Mr. Andy Swift you do not like the chimes. Because mm. I, if I remember correctly, that was his idea many, many years ago. Um, it's okay. So. He's had good ideas since. <laughs> Times have changed, old man. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it, it's funny to me that Dan prefers the thing from the '80s, which is yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so I was thinking about that, and I was enjoying the video of the drone show, which again, holy crap, that is a stunning technical achievement. Have you seen the video of the drone show no. performance? Yeah. So, have you seen it, Dan? Yeah, I, I retweeted it from the drone company. Yeah, so, Buzz, if you saw the one last year, Dan, am I wrong in saying this one is 2, 3x more complicated and animated than the one last year? Yeah, so last year they had, I think it was like 150 drones. This year it would have been easily 300. Like, the when they did the FC Dallas logo at the end, the uh, the detail, and, you know, they did the lettering, they did everything. Like they had the... The quantity to to go into that much detail i will go watch it after this yeah the drone show stuff is really cool and and it's all little images from the 80s and as dan says there's so many drones the amount of detail they can do is is pretty amazing but um the thing that it started getting me thinking about this season and the fact that the club has uh done the new jersey the burn baby burn jersey and uh, you know, they've really kind of bought into you know the, the, the new Mitchell and Ness white satin jacket with Ooh. the Islamico brand on it, all of this stuff. And then the other day I was at my uh, Sunday league game uh, and I was walking by where everybody was having a beer and there was a guy at the table, a random guy at the table with I, what I assume is now one of the new white t-shirts you can buy that has the... Um, vomit flame horse head that's on the nape of the neck of the jersey but in big like large like you know nice. like yeah. six by eight by ten or something across the back of the shirt well that of explains course, something then because when i when we first saw the kid i said to andrew at soccer 90 man i'd like to get that on a t-shirt he goes huh and they didn't say anything well <laughs> no, so I, they must be selling it now and yeah. I, you know because that that branding means so much to me personally i, I like a, I, I practically started to cry because it was just so beautiful to see a random guy at a soccer thing wearing a dallas burn related piece of branding i thought that was great and in and in looking at that and thinking about the jersey and thinking about um the other thing that always has historically driven me nuts 
is because this team has no nickname, um, and we've talked about this a lot over the years, which is it has driven me personally nuts to hear people like Mark Folliwell or anybody having to commentate on this team locked into the idea of calling it repeatedly FC Dallas. Because it's like saying Mr. Buzz Daniel Carrick III. It's like nobody refers to football teams or soccer teams in the world in the manner that we've now kind of placed on Dallas. And that's because they didn't give the team a nickname, right? They tried hoops. They threw hoops away. People have thrown out Los Toros. I did the Huntsman thing for a long time, which I still love. But it dawned on me, and I'm getting somewhere with this. So stick with me because I'm I'm officially making a pitch here, guys. I'm suggesting the idea of what if we as the fan base just said, screw it, let's just start calling them the burn again. I'm, I, yeah, I, we can do that for sure. I like it. Seriously. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying call them FC Dallas burn, but if you need a nickname, let's just go back to the burn. Everybody loves the burn, right? Yeah. It's, it's totally at its... It's it's more popular today than it probably was back in 1997, <laughs> right? Yeah. And everybody loves the. I mean, it the the branding has gone from being ridiculous and stupid and silly to something now people seem to like and love. So why don't we just start calling them the burn again? Well, the team's certainly doing a whole lot of burn stuff this year. Yes. So I mean, they seem to like it too. So I mean, as a as a slang nickname goes, I think it's a great idea. I'm on board. We could do that. Dan. All right, I'll put it in the next recap. Well, no, I'm at, I mean, do you like the idea? I mean, am I being stupid? No, I think no. you're spot on. I, you know, that, I think that's a, that's a great nod to the past. Uh, a nickname doesn't need to be in the team's formal name, even right. in the Americanized style. I think it, this year in particular, it's a, probably a good idea because, and I do believe there's a tie-in here with the club, and the Apple TV is because we're seeing all this, you know, original six stuff and the branding dates on the on the transitions and such like that. There's obviously a play to the age of a major league soccer. The club is obviously embracing the early burn days. They're throwing around the 1996 stuff. So I, yeah, I think it's a good idea to roll with the original nickname as a unofficial nickname. It certainly works as well as anything else we've come up with. You know, they've always said from the, from the beginning of the FC Dallas brands, they wanted something to happen organically. They wanted the fans to sort of decide this question. And maybe it's kind of the, the love for this old brand. Maybe it's kind of showing that that's where the fans heart is. And maybe that's what they'll, we'll see more of going forward. That would be nice. Yeah. I just saw the dude in the, in the t-shirt with the head and the uh, vomit flame on it. And I thought, holy crap, that's it. Just call him the burn. Yeah, and I think we should officially call it Vomit Flame from here on out. I think that's a good plan. Isn't that what we always called it? That's what you've always called it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what I call it. <laughs> Just the flame, the horse flame, I think I usually say. But. Do you remember back in the day when they first when they first uh, unveiled the branding, how you tried to explain what the Dallas Burn logo looked like? It was like, it's a yeah. horse rearing up, but it doesn't have legs. It has lightning bolts for legs. Yeah. Oh, and it's got, it's throwing up fire. <laughs> and one version of it has wings and the other doesn't. Right. And then there's the head-on version that has wings coming out of its yeah. side of its head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was fantastic. All right. Well, uh, so we're all in agreement. The official nickname of the uh, F- of FC Dallas, at least in terms of 
third degree is concerned, is yeah. now back to the burn. For this season, for sure, and we'll see if it catches on. Well, it won't catch on if we don't commit to it, Buzz. No, no, no. I'm committed for the season. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Dan? Okay, Ben. All right. Can you say that maybe a little more enthusiastically, please? Well, I didn't want it to sound like I was telling you to go get a sunburn or something. You know, that'd be bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they have uh, Vancouver coming up next, and it's a day game, is it not? Isn't it early, like, four in the yeah. afternoon or something? Weirdly, yeah. Do we? Uh, yeah. So it's so they're the early game, and it's only on Apple TV once again. I guess we don't know if it's the, one of the free games or not. We can talk about that here in a second because that's, that's all come to uh, clarity. Um uh, so, uh, any change in the lineup or anything you anticipate that we haven't already discussed? Well, the MLS soccer website says MLS season pass on it. So probably not free. So the questions are, uh, the obvious ones, right? The front line is set, you know, um, legit passing. We know that the Facundo Edwin question, I think because Facundo had that mid, uh, week knock, why not stick with Edwin? He had a pretty solid game. That's going to be fine. Um, Farfan, as long as he's not hurt, it's Farfan. I think Tuomasi held on enough that Giovanni won't start again yet. Pauses a lot. It's really just those two center backs, I think. Uh, you know, are you going to see Martinez Nicosi, who, based on that game, by my usual standards, I would say, yes, you carry those guys forward. Does this coach want to see that third combo, though? Does he want to see the Nicosi uh, Ibi combo? That's the question. Because, you know, based purely on result, it should not change. It should be Martinez. Nicosi. We'll see. We're going to find out. You know, this is a coach that does like to te- tweak tactics. He is going on the road. You know, that's in the past. Those are environments where we would see Facundo over Edwin. Again, the knock, the Facundo knock makes you think probably bench with Edwin starting. But if he recovers, great. That could be flip flopped easily, too. So those are your spots. That triangle is still the thing. That's the question. Okay. Uh, by the way, Vancouver comes into this game defeated. They've not won a game yet. They lost their opener at home to Salt Lake 2-1, uh, to one, and they lost last weekend in San Jose by the same score. So uh, they've uh, get their minus, let's see, they've minus, yeah. what, two on the goal difference. They, they so. play a Christmas tree. It's a 4-3-2-1, but um, coaches pointed out that the last two times Dallas has played them, they've changed their tactics just to play Dallas. So I, you, I don't think you can assume that they're going to play the same way. You might see them go to three like they did once before. You know, that'll be an interesting question from them, what they're going to do. I, mean, uh, I think it's going to be interesting just to see what what Dallas has to deal with. Uh, the two games so far, they've scored uh, against RSL in the 24th minute. They scored against San Jose in the 17th minute. Both times they conceded around the 70th minute. Uh, they are a team that is apparently racing to a lead and very quickly running out of gas and getting hammered in the last 20 minutes. Yep. Well, all right. So, um, and plus they have the head coach that looks like the random guy that runs or works at a, a hole-in-the-wall <laughs> pizzeria, Sartini, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, uh, He's yeah, a good that, dude. I mean, I'll be interested to see what team they play tonight. That's That's going to have a... Yeah, who do you know, they play effect. tonight? I should probably hold on. Let me let me look. Let me look that up. Who do they play tonight? I have it right uh, here. Real, Real Club España. España. Deportivo España. Okay. All right. Very of, good. Of Honduras. Yes. All right. Uh, what kind of animal run on the field of that game? <laughs> well, it's in Vancouver, so if anything of deer. 
but uh, yeah, beaver, a, a, <laughs> or beaver. <a> moose. <laughs> a beaver or a moose. Yeah. How awesome would it be if either one of those things it would walked be a beaver the... riding on the back of a moose? <laughs> hey, Rocky, watch me pull this rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be great. Yeah. Uh. All right, so here we go. The burn are back in Vancouver uh, this weekend. So there you mm. go. Anything from training else, Buzz? I yeah. know you went to training yesterday or today or whatever and uh, you want to talk about? Well, um, can we talk about the new North Texas signing first? Because he's in the context of the training. Is that sure. Cool? Okay, so uh, nor- this is ordinarily a North Texas signing we wouldn't actually make a big deal about. But this kid named Alejandro Uzura has been on my homegrown list for a couple of years now. He was obviously not at the top of it because he's – Still a U-17. He's 16 years old just now. So it's a big deal that they signed him because the word on the street is that he's got one of these new hybrid deals and he'll be the first player to actually have one, if that's true. And the club press release said that they've signed him for 2023 with no other mention of uh, options or additional years or anything. And so that those two things lead me to believe that, yes, he does have a hybrid deal because a kid of this level of talent – this is the level of talent of, of Paxson or Cap. This is that kind of player, top mm. tier of your academy, right? But he's 16. So if he has this new hybrid deal, the idea – they were going to give this to Antonio Carrera until he had a monstrous camp, and then they just gave him a regular homegrown deal instead. So basically what it does is it's designed to have a couple of seasons at North Texas and then transition into an actual regular homegrown contract. This falls in line with what the dichotomy this club has, which is – that they want to develop kids. They want to sign these kids in, in, out, as their teenagers, but they want to sign them to North Texas, not FC Dallas. They don't want to chew up roster spots. They don't want eight dudes hanging around watching training and not training and all that kind of stuff, right? This is the new sort of progression. But it's also not the $24,000 right. Texas deal. Probably. They don't put out any numbers, but it shouldn't be like, because what when they, when they try and get these kids out of North Texas, that are not these next tier guys. These are not these homegrown type guys. It's like it's 15, it's 20. You know, a kid this good's not giving up college for that. So it must be something else. And you you can understand that this is true, that he's as talented as I say he is, because he's been in first team training a bunch this spring and was in there again this week. And coach said, even last week before they announced the signing, coach told me he's gonna be there a lot. He's the next guy they're progressing through. He plays as an eight, he plays the position. They just traded Brandon. He plays the position. We, we talk about there's a tiny bit of a hole, but they're going to use kids to progress through in that spot in training. You might, there's some other guys that are going to get these chances too, but he's going to get the bulk of them because he's the next guy being groomed. You just don't want him to wait four years like Paxson did before he plays on your senior roster. Cause he's 16. He's not going to play for a while in this kind of position. So this is a, this is a sign and stash kind of deal. So that's why it's really interesting beyond the fact that the kid is young and talented. Is he a big uh, dude? He's right now. He's probably five ten. I think he'll get close to six feet. He's tall-ish and lanky. He plays like Chris Kappas, if that helps you. Yep. He's a box to box eight. That kind of guy. Really good at sniffing and winning the ball back. Really good at controlling the pace of the game. Slow it down. Speed it up. Move it around. Uh, just a solid box to box guy, and something this club produces a lot of. But he's particularly good. So oh. Ali Zura. Um, so right. training report wise, he was there. Uh, Julian Isone's there again. As near as I can tell, Julian's there with the first team every day. You know, he's a, another higher grade and older 
We'll be talking about him a lot between now and May. He'll you know why that lot, is, Buzz? So. Because if you don't, he'll beat everybody up. <laughs> he is six, almost six seven. But uh, we'll, we're going to be talking about him a lot over the next couple of months. So we'll, we'll skip over him for today because he's just there as a training player. Um, because of the Fagundo knock, they brought Carl Sante up from North Texas, who's the young Haitian six that they got from Minnesota United. Um, who just got called up for the Haitian national team. So, again, another talented player for the future. He came in and looked fine. A lot of the work this week was on beating a press, right? We just saw L.A. try and press them. We know that that's a thing they're not so great at, so they worked on that a whole bunch. Consequently, Nikosi Tafari had a really bad day. Oh, I was like, I was so hyped about him coming off of the game, and then I watched training, I'm like, shit, his ass is going to get benched. He was awful. Granted, it was just a, on a Tuesday and it's just one day. And it was a day of like the entire day was like press center backs, press center backs. It was just really rough for him. Um, hopefully it's just a bad moment and he'll be fine because I thought he was great in the game. Um, and that's really all the, from training. There wasn't a whole lot of tremendous because now they're kind of in form. They kind of know what they're doing. They kind of got the pieces in place. Um, Jesus Jimenez was gone. He's up in Toronto working on his uh, uh, visa, as you know, and Dan knows for sure from experience, he probably, his appointment was for Monday. So I imagine now he's just waiting around to get it. So uh, there's probably basically like 99% chance there's no way he's playing this weekend. Um, he would have to get back in time to train and then go back up there with them. That's not happening because it takes, usually it takes at least a week to get these things. Sometimes it can be longer. So um, that's your training report. I love it. And you know what it dawned on me? Because uh, last week we talked about our concern about having somebody to fill in that hole in the midfield. Yep. And you mentioned Chris Kappas. Boy, wouldn't he be nice to have these days? And I wonder what his availability might be. Well, uh, based on his age and the fact that he has signed another pro contract, he is available. You don't have to worry about the territory rule anymore with him. So if you wanted him and he wanted to come back, you could go sign him. He's still at um, Bromby, I think it is, where he's at. Um, he starts some, he comes off the bench some, you know, I'm not really sure where his mind's at. I haven't talked to him in a bit, uh, or his people in a bit to really know. Um, obviously he'd be outstanding to come have back, you know, whether he would want to come back and whether the club wouldn't be like, you know what, we got like five kids coming through that are going to be just like that. So, um, I still think he's a spectacular player. You know, he's been in terms of when, what he looked like when he left the Academy, he's my favorite player coming out of the Academy. I feel bad that he hasn't quite gotten the right opportunities, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I don't think, obviously, big picture, I don't think he's as good at, as uh, Weston is, but I didn't see Weston as a, as he came out of the academy. It was just a thought. You mentioned his name. Um, yeah. And I know. Uh, yeah, well, I mentioned so. in the context of comparing Allie to him. That's why I mentioned him last week, too. Yeah. It's like Allie compares to him for me. And there's some other kids, too, that have some different profiles that can play in that spot. You know, there's there's Anthony Hernan um Anthony um, Ramirez. Or, golly, wow, did I brain fart on that? Anthony Ramirez, Diego Hernandez, uh, Santi Ferrer plays that same spot. A kid named Jared Salazar, who's a U17, also. Um, uh, Dylan Lacey, who's a U19. There's some, there's some other kids. Uh, Andre, Andre Costa, who's actually a North Texas player. Um, you'll see those other guys will all come in with that spot. Allie is just the top one right now in terms of that profile. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, well, I think we uh, made a lot of progress this week. Uh, we rebranded the club. Uh, we <laughs> talked about a victory, our first victory of the year. Um, we got lots done today, guys. Uh, very good. Anything else? Going once, going twice. Dan? Nah. 
I'm good. Okay. Thank you, sir. Always good to speak with you and spend the time. Uh, Buzz? Well, North Texas Soccer Club has two preseason games left, so they're about a week and a half, I think, out from their first game. We'll probably have a preview of who their big players are at some point. But, you know, if you get a chance, go watch them play, too. They're also really good. Yes. All right. Thank you, sir. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Soccer90.com is the exclusive merchandise provider for North Texas Soccer Club. The brand new jerseys are available for NTSC. You can get them at Soccer90. You can get them at Soccer90.com. You can use our code, Third Degree, 20% off at checkout. Some exclusions yeah. apply. But we've hooked you up. The North Texas Soccer Club is not one of those exclusions. You can get those jerseys with our discount. The new sponsor on last year's home jersey, that also uses our discount, third degree, 20% off, Soccer90.com. Get the stuff. And I would like to uh, congratulate Austin FC for their initiation into CONCACAF. <laughs> um, not only is it funny, but we understand we've all been there before. Uh, many, many years ago. So it's always fun to watch the youngins get initiated into their first CONCACAF experience. But my God, that was hilarious. Uh, so there you go. All right, Buzz, thank you very much, my friend. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you as always for hosting. Yes, as uh, happy to do it. Uh, all right, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week on yet another episode of Third Degree, the podcast about the burn. The burn. Say it now. The burn. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast.